It's the Locked On Canes podcast where it's all about the you. My name is Fred Purdue. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by my co-host Cam Underwood. We've switched things up a little bit, but it's still the same thing. What's going on, Kane? Chilling. I don't know if you say Cam or Kane, but I'm Cam and I was a Kane or am a Kane. So, hey, it all works. But here to talk a little uh, Miami football on a Tuesday. So, you know, let's get it popping. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, and I did say Cam. It, it kind of. The powers that be are trying to play games with me today, and and I've been kind of all over the place. But that's the right. That's do 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 Y'all don't know that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. So we have a a jam packed show today. We're gonna be talking. Uh, the title of today's show is uh, "You Can't See the Forest Through the Trees," and what we mean by that is Miami has some some ongoing games coming up. FIU. Duke, but you know, there's a bowl game out there and there's been some things floated around and Manny Diaz has been saying, you know, don't look, don't look too far into the future just yet. Focus on what we have to do. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, Brevin Jordan, the best tight end in America. Let me repeat the best tight end in America. And I had a Florida, let me, I'll, we'll we'll address that in a minute. Oh no. Um, I feel where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, you know, he, he's back. So we'll talk about that and his impact going forward in the, in the next two games and the bowl game. But also we have some Jaron Williams talk to go around here. Coach Danny and us had some some things to say so we'll get into that in a minute but just before we get started we got to get the house cleaning out of the way make sure you go follow the show on twitter at locked on canes go follow cam on twitter at underwood sports follow me on twitter at fred produce cfb that is p-e-r-d-u-e thank you cam very much um so let's start it off with uh manny diaz he says that uh, we've had some – we have a bowl game out there, but we can't look too far into the future at that bowl game, whether it is Alabama. Not scared of y'all. Yes, I am. Um, but it could be a, it could be others. We've already talked about those teams. So, uh, But we have FIU in front of us right now, and then we have Duke. I don't even want to talk about Duke yet. I, I believe in that philosophy of not looking too far ahead. So what can Manny Diaz do to keep his team's attention as they go down the home stretch? I kind of, I don't want to say ranted, but let some of my frustration out about this uh, yesterday and even last week. But all you got to do is look at the record for this season and say, hey, you know, like Miami found ways to lose to some inferior teams. I don't care what the feedback is. I don't care what the opponents say. That's just a point-blank period fact. There's no reason that Miami should have lost to Georgia Tech. There's no reason they should have lost to Virginia Tech when they were on the verge of firing their coach. There's eh, maybe a small reason, but really not, to lose to North Carolina when you miss 15 kicks up there. So you already found ways to lose games to bad teams and also you know, let other teams be in the game close, like a Pittsburgh. Look. Miami is not at the point right now where they're just going to show up on the field wearing the colors, orange and green and white, with Miami emblazoned across the front of their jackets and sweatshirts and your uniforms, and then that's going to beat people. This is not 2001 in that regard. So you have to go out there and prove that. So if anybody's loafing, if anybody's giving a half-behind effort, yo, just look back a couple few weeks, and that's proof positive of, of what will happen if you don't bring it a hundred percent every single time. So, you know, I don't want to hear about, uh, you know, in the weight room, David Feely, the new strength and conditioning coach is talking about last set, best set. Everybody chants that all the time. You can't just chant it. You can't just have it be, uh, 
be up on a placard somewhere. You have to live that and breathe that. And they've done that the last couple of weeks. So I think it's really easy. You play the way that we've played, and we're going to go win, and then you can dance and celebrate everybody on the sideline. Or like Jason Blissett Sr., Jason Blissett, who's on the team, that's his father. He's saying, hey, how about Manny Diaz? How about you blow him out by 50 points so Junior, the freshman defensive tackle, can get in the game? You know, so then him and Jahalar Holly and uh, Jared Harrison Hunt, they're not dancing on the sideline. They're dancing in the game after making a play because they have to get in the game. So I think that that's really what you got to do. Show them, like, just show them the film. Hey, if you give half behind effort, these kind of things will happen, and you play a role of all these other bad teams beating them. Boom, done. You know, having that experience on the field, and I, I have to preface this, it's one of the things fans always say what they would do and what they wouldn't do. Uh, during a game, one that's the easy part. It sounds easy sitting at home in your in your recliner on your in, in, wherever you are, or playing Monday morning quarterback. However, it sounds great what you would do, but when it's you're actually there, it's a little bit different. And having that bit of experience, uh, albeit at the high school level, I think it might be a little more difficult because now you you have the you have the mind of a kid. Versus the mind of an adult that has a vision of going to a, a place that pays them a lot of money. So being I say all of that to say the concept of getting an, a group of individuals to buy into something, not just for right now, not tomorrow, not next week, not even next year, but just doing it constantly day by day by day, doing the same exact thing. Because in today's culture, it's so you, you expect so much to happen instantly and it doesn't. So keeping that attention is probably one of the hardest things coaches can do because you're expected to do the same again, to do the same thing. Go to practice, go to do weights, go do get it corrected in the classroom because we all know the film studies where it's at. We all every all of these guys can play athletically on some level, but being able to. The college game is mental just as well as the the pro game is. It's even more mental. But I I remember there was a a line by a former Miami Hurricane. It was about a certain quarterback of mine. But the whole point of it is if you're not clicking like the the guy on the other side is clicking, he's going to whoop your – I'll bleep it out later. But, um, you know, um, you know, that's the thing. So it's one of those things that Manny Diaz has to instill that in his guys. And I think it's happening. Guys like Shaq Quarterman are, you know, he, he's trying to, his legacy is left by talking to showing the, showing the ropes to those young guys, the Sam Brooks of the world, helping them understand this is the legacy. I may have not gotten you where I wanted to get you, but now it's my time to show. I've already shown you how to do it. So now it's your turn to do it. It's a little bit on everybody to get it done. Absolutely. But, I mean, the question was about Manny Diaz. So, you know, it's going to be incumbent upon him and all of the coaching staff to make things work, to impress upon them that no, nobody – you can take no one lightly. Mm-hmm. You know, I know the Central Michigan is improved. But, you know, that was a team that hung around. That was a close game, and it should not have been. Should not have they been. lost to a terrible, terrible Georgia Tech team. You know, you lost to an average at best North Carolina team. You lost to a pretty bad Virginia Tech team. I mean, very bad at the time, but then you helped that be the building blocks to see them potentially win the Coastal Division. Look, there's way too much evidence to the fact of if Miami does not play a very, very solid game, 
that they're going to lose. So I don't think it should take much to spin that and, and get that from or impress that upon the players to get their best out of them. And also, I know we talked about it a little bit yesterday and are going to talk about it a little bit today and in the future. Hey, you keep winning games, you get a better bowl game. And, you know, for these guys who have been to these remote outposts of the country, and again, I say this as someone who has been there once and never going again. <laughs> El Paso, Texas is a terrible, terrible, terrible place. That is not a reward, especially coming from Miami. So, you know, if you play to a 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five level, they'll put you in the Sun Bowl. They might put you in Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, you know, on Christmas Eve or the day after Christmas. So the whole Christmas break, you're pretty much there. You can be in, in one of those places or... You went out, you get to eight and four, and then you're talking about the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville or the Camping World Bowl in Orlando, or you know maybe if things break right, the Orange Bowl in Miami in Hard Rock Stadium, or you know some other kind of game that's of that caliber. The rewards are out there, and the aversion or the thing that you should be averse to doing those poor uh, you know uh, efforts and results from before are there as well. So you should be able to use both history and future to mold this team and get their effort going the right way for this week against a clearly overmatched FIU team that you should beat by three or four touchdowns easily. And before the, my last point in this, in all of this is the difference between a Clemson in our, in, in our conference or an Alabama in the SEC, the SEC, uh, I'm sorry, LSU in the SEC. Heck, even if you talk about the teams of yesteryear, uh, the USC teams uh, of the early 2000s, the difference is that they were laser-focused at all times, and they treated every single opponent like they were the big, they were their Super Bowl. And, yes. you know, I, albeit some teams have letdowns. I mean, I've, I've seen it. I mean, I've seen Alabama go down for a f- couple minutes, and then things go back to normal. They say, okay, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm tired of playing with you now. I mean, I've seen, you know, a USC team go down to a, a Fresno state and then Reggie Bush do ridiculousness, you know, but you just don't see it very often. It happens once. And then it's like, okay, let me remind you who we are. And once Miami gets to that point where they just can assert their dominance and that dominance is asserted in the beginning, it starts in practice. It really does. Uh, I remember a time it used to be said at Miami practices were harder than games. And Mm -hmm. when, when Miami gets back to that point, that's when I think the respect will come back, not just a name brand. And also I think that's when the mentality, the mentality to win a championship where you, you understand we deserve a championship. This is, we're going to get a championship. We're getting, that's ours versus I'm hoping I win. We might win. All right, guys, let's get it together. No, it doesn't work that way. So, and a good part of a piece of winning these games, keeping this laser focus is coming back to this team. And we'll talk about who that may be. I mean, we kind of have an idea. He's the best player in America at his position. But we'll talk about that in a minute. All right. So, we have a, a guy, a player that I've, I think he might be, I don't, I don't say this too often, but he just might be my favorite player on this team. Brevin Jordan, the best tight end in America. Mackie semi-finalist. Got to put that respect on his name. He's back. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember a certain Texas quarterback said, we're back. Well, that didn't uh, that didn't work for them. But Brevin can say, 
he's back and guess what he's gonna i think he's gonna add on to that whole trophy winning thing because i just don't see anybody else being better than the best tight end in america what say you I mean, I don't either. We've been saying it all year that he is the best tight end in America because that's the God's honest truth. Um, and, yeah, Brevin Jordan used the bye week uh, to get healthy. Uh, it was one of the things that we kind of debated before the Louisville game, whether, you know, to push him to play that week and then sit out the bye week and then FIU but uh, or the other way, which was sit out Louisville um, and then have the bye week as well. So you have, you know, two weeks uh, you know, for, for healing, and that was what they ended up doing the latter. So he, he basically sat out ma- the majority of the week of practice leading up to Louisville. He sat out that game, obviously took the bye week to get healthy, and he's back at practice a full go, uh, it looked like. And, uh, yeah, so he's going to be back on the field, which adds another dynamic uh, weapon to Miami's offense. And, yeah, you know, again, I think that he is going to just continue to show his elite-level talent, which he's done in every game that he's played this year that includes against Florida in the opener um, and every everywhere in between. Um, so, yeah, you know, getting Brevin Jordan back is a big thing. And I think, you know, obviously uh, in the Louisville game, Miami went a little bit more with 20 personnel. That's two backs and no tight ends as opposed to 11 or 12, one back and one tight end or one back and two tight ends. Um, you know, and so the way that they used the players was a little bit different. But transitioning from that I know that I've heard some chatter and you were saying that you've heard some chatter from a fan base in Florida that says that they have a better tight end than Brevin Jordan like I mean I don't know were you at a collection of crack addicts or something <laughs> when you heard that? like what's going on yeah so I had a Florida fan directly say to me and, and I won't say his name for fear of Miami fans just destroying his Twitter and making him delete it, but I know Same. him very personally. Um, but, you know, uh, he, he's a co-worker of mine, and, and, and some others have said it, but he kind of kicked it off, and I said some things. So uh, Kyle Pitts, tight end at Florida. He's had an okay year. But I was told that Brevin Jordan, one, is not the best tight end in America. Okay, and Kyle Pitts is a better tight end than one Brevin Jordan. The same Brevin Jordan that is a complete beast. He is, he can block, he can, he's great in the blocking game, in the run game. He's great in the pass catching game. He is a ultimate mismatch. I don't see anyone that in, in the country that can cover him. And yet we still have a guy who didn't even, and by the way, didn't Brevin Jordan make that whole semifinalist for the Mackey Award, which is the award for the best tight end in America. So I would think he's at least one of the top five to 10, at least if we, if we're just going to go by that, he's five or 10 or so Kyle Pitts didn't even make the list. And they said that that guy is supposed to be better. He's the best. And he's the best tight end in America. Not to no. mention, I have a problem. The problem I have with this is if you're compa- if you're going to drop numbers, understand the game that you're watching. Brevin Jordan had to sit in and be a, an extra t- uh, an extra offensive lineman for about half the season because this offensive line was switch cheese, and he still had to go pl- go out and play receiver too. His numbers would have been much more inflated if he had if his one job was just be the ultimate Swiss Army knife, you know. Be a pass catcher. Be a mismatch. Make linebackers look silly. Make safeties just run through them in the in the run game. You know, crack back somebody. I mean, 
he's not able to do all of what he can, he wants to do. And he got jobbed at least once this season. I, I won't even go into that. But I, I just, I have a problem with this. I have a big problem with this, especially coming from that fan base in Gainesville. No, I hear you. I just, you know, I, I was, I thought it was going to go that way. Uh, just because obviously Florida fans want to chirp about everything. Um, the other one that I've heard or seen is people saying, you know, Trey McKitty made the wise choice to go to Florida State instead of Miami because, you know, we recruited him and he decided to go up there and wrong. Like, you know, Trey McKitty has, what, three catches or four catches in three years while, you know, Brevin Jordan is on a fast track to be a first-round draft pick. And, hey, Kyle Pitts is good. Kyle Pitts is very good for that, you know, second tier of tight end mm-hmm. in, in the country uh, and everything. I mean, yeah, like, I'm not going to say that he's – Bad Trey McKitty, however, Brevin Jordan gets out of bed catching three catches a game. I mean, I'm just oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Plus, like, like you said, he has to block and everything, but yeah, no, I just think what you want, say what you want. But you know, the fact of the matter is, whichever team you watch, Miami's tight end is better than them, whoever it is. I don't care, it could be Notre Dame. Uh, who, who, you know, sometimes says tight end to you. Did you see that Virginia Tech official <laughs> football account put up a tweet talking about hashtag tight or TEU? Bro. We're still TEU. down. The only other school that is even close, and no, that's only in recent history, is Iowa. And that's only because they put out a couple good ones. But two well, of them, two of them haven't, haven't, they haven't proven anything yet. I will say that Notre Dame historically does have gigantic guys who go into the league and play well. Travis Rudolph, not no, no, no not Rudolph. No. Kyle Rudolph. Kyle excuse Rudolph, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it uh, with the the the, the, Vikings. the Vikings, yeah. He's pretty good. They have another couple of guys uh, who are in the league, you know, as journeymen and everything, and they're they're doing pretty well. So I mean, they're in that top group. You know, Iowa, sure, you know, they put some guys in the league and everything. Uh, UCLA had a couple randomly at one time. But it's, it doesn't get better than than tight ends from the University of Miami going into the league. And, yeah, I mean, some guys this year have injury issues. Chris Herndon, you know, wish him a swift recovery, mm-hmm. but he's injured and finally out and for Joku, the year. David Njoku, yeah. you know, had that freak accident where he tried to hurdle somebody and got helicoptered. Um, and he's on IR, but he can return, I think, this year. Uh, Jimmy Graham is still out there catching touchdowns. Which, Hall of Famer you know, or nah? Just curious. Uh, Had he stayed with the Saints, Hall of Famer or nah? Uh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, I want to say yes, you know, because, you know, my orange and green colored glasses, but I don't know. I would have to, I would have to think about that one. He's not a, he is not a clear-cut case either way for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, and even if you go back to other guys, you know, Greg Olson mm-hmm. still catching passes. Jeremy Shockey, you know, I mean, he's not in the league catching passes anymore, but he did for a good long time. Bubba Franks, like all these guys. But the thing is, Miami having top level tight ends in college and the NFL is a stream that has been unending for the last twenty five years. Whereas these other wannabe teams pop up once every blue moon and say something. But all that is to take the long scenic route to reminding you that the next great tight end from the University of Miami, his name is Brevin Jordan. He is the best tight end in America. Say it one more time. He's going to win the Mackey Award. Yeah. uh, For me, I 
and for me, when I look at Brevin Jordan, I mean, just player comp, player comps. I love doing that that whole thing. Uh, I see a lot of Greg Olson's game in Brevin Jordan, and you know, it, the blocking game is not something that you see from tight ends nowadays. It's just rare. I mean, they're glorified receivers now. It's hence Jimmy Graham saying, "I'm not a tight end. I'm a rec- I'm a big receiver." Well, well, wait, wait, wait. Well, I'm gonna stop you right there. You know what that was about? Oh, that's about that De Niro. Of course, that was about that De Niro. So of if you course. don't pay attention, basically, when you get franchise tagged, then you get you know a top five or the yeah average top five salary for everybody at your position in mm-hmm. the NFL. So he's saying, no, 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 I'm a receiver because receivers get the money. So if you franchise tag me, now you're gonna pay me 22 and not 13 or whatever exactly. the number was. So yeah, 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 yeah. So just wanted to put that. Up. Of course, of course. And at the time, I mean, it, it was warranted. He didn't. Jimmy Graham's never going to block anybody. But the one thing he could do, he was a great red zone threat. Still can be. Still don't understand why he is not excelling with the with one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Uh, of all time, I'm just going to call it. Aaron Rodgers is a, is a, is another on another planet. So I'll just go ahead and say it. He's on. He's he he. He can frustrate me sometimes, but for the most part, he has one of the best. He's actually played for two Hall of Fame level t- uh, quarterbacks, and still not. Pro- he's underachieving at this point. He's getting. He's I'm a got Lions it. fan. Can we stop talking about the Packers, Ooh. please? Oh, ouch! I forgot. I'm sorry. I, we'll go back to his Seattle days. Does that his Seattle days? Yes. He was asked to do things that he couldn't. He wasn't a- actually able to do, and his days with Drew Brees, who I just got a chance to see. I understand seeing Drew Brees in person versus seeing Drew Brees on TV is totally different. And Drew Brees still can sling it. Don't get rid of him, New Orleans. Don't get rid of him. Uh, you still got about three good years left in him. So Three? Three. I think you got three. Three. Oh yeah. With Sean Everybody, Payton. Everybody's not yeah. playing to 42 like Tom Brady 12 with the, you know, the steroid injections and the you know, <laughs> hey hey he hey 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 this whoa, is, whoa 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 what 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 leave my quarterback what? alone this is this no, is not okay, the locked uh-huh. on NFL show we are not going right. to get to that we'll okay. leave that to them we might have to have a cross is he going back over to Kobe's doctor to go get the platelet treatment hey, anymore hey 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 no hey leave my quarterback alone All right. you know okay. he has he he has the Thanos glove he'll make you disappear be nice right. um but no <laughs> um. I think Jimmy Graham's best years were with the Saints where he was able to be a big body receiver, kind of like Michael Thomas is now where he can just be a red zone threat and who's going to stop him. So that was the, uh, he was part of that whole nowadays evolution of tight end. So, and I think Brevin Jordan is going to even push that envelope even further. Uh, I mean, these guys are just so big and fast now. You can't put a you, try put a guy putting a guy like Tyron Matthew on him. He's gonna get abused. You put a slow linebacker on him. Oh well, too bad. I'm just gonna line him up outside and say, what are you gonna do? You're gonna have to put a safety in the middle of the field to rob the middle of the field. But guess what? I'm still gonna. I mean, it's not gonna matter. And we'll just throw fade routes to him. Good luck. So what are you gonna do with these tight ends nowadays? Because they're just and the ones that can do double duty, the Gronks of the world, the Brevin Jordans of the world, who now I think I will say this Miami's offensive line being bad was a blessing in disguise to him. Because now we get to see how good of a blocker he is. Whereas before, his at least in his freshman year, we said, nah, he might not be he might not block, be able to block a soul. Just putting it yeah, out there. I mean, it has forced, you know, Brevin Jordan's development um, in that realm, in that realm, you know, but 
there's other good, you know, uh, tight ends on the roster. Finally got to see Will Mallory get into the end zone against Louisville. I want to see more um, of him. I want to see more. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be great. But, uh, you know, Mallory has been targeted a little bit and dropped some balls earlier in the year. So he has had some chances but did not necessarily make the most of all of them. Um, but, yeah, you know, there are weapons on this offense, Brevin Jordan being at the very top of that list. And, you know, again, linking back to the first uh, subject there, hopefully uh, Manny Diaz is able to get the best out of him and the rest of them as they go to uh, play FIU on the quote-unquote road this weekend. Definitely. And speaking of FIU on the road, there's one quarterback that has been wanting to – He's had a lot of nice things to say about FIU, but what we really expect from him is I'm expecting seven touchdowns, but, you know, I want to see a better performance than last time. And I think Danny, you know, the offensive coordinator wants to see a little bit more. And we'll talk about that in a sec. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. All right, so Dan Enos, offensive coordinator, a lot of questions in the beginning. We see the development now of one Jaron Williams, who since the pit game has seemed like a very different quarterback. I mean, this is the same Jaron Williams who beat out Trevor Lawrence uh, to get into into the Army All-American game. The same Jaron Williams who I th- was a fan of last year and said give him a chance last year over one Malik Rozier, who I wasn't a big fan of. But, hey, that's not the point. Um, Look, if people are listening and they've been following me and my work for any amount of time, they know uh, I was none too pleased with playing Malik Rozier at mm, the time. mm and for me, I wasn't a big fan. I'm not a big fan of Nikosi Perry either. I, I like my quarterbacks to stand in the pocket and throw darts, take off when they need to, a la one Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, maybe even a Lamar Jackson, who knows. Um, but those that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a guy who who only sees half the field and is considered a dual threat. But when we say dual threat, he is a run first guy, pass second. Don't want that. He's not a run first guy. No, I'm going to push back on that. He's not. He, no, he runs more than, than Jaron, but he's not a run first guy. That's just not, no. You're not going to let me have that one? I'm not going to let you have that one. Okay. As the, and I mean, regardless, like, yes, I, am a fan of Nikosi Perry. I've been a big fan of his talent for a long time. But, you know, I will admit the shortcomings that he has, that is not necessarily one of them. His accuracy, sure. His inability to necessarily consistently put touch on the ball. Yes, absolutely. But saying that he's a one-read-and-go kind of guy and not going to sit back there and make throws, nah. Because even if you look back at that Virginia Tech game, he got blasted a couple times because why? He stayed in there and stuck in there and let the route develop before he threw it and then ended up getting hit. So now I'm going to push back on that one. Okay. I'll, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but for me, when I look at Jaron Williams, I see uh, since that pit game, one, he's been – he's rec- he, I think the game slowed down for him, and I think Danny Nose understands that now, that you may have put a little too much on his plate just a little too quick. Uh, I mean, he. I mean, you're going up against one of the best, at least, defensive lines in the country, uh, in at Florida, and that was a tough one. And you know, there's this thing. Before there was a whole Sam Darnold thing of seeing ghosts. That actually is a thing. 
And some quarterbacks, do they feel it. They feel that rush. And I think he felt that early in the season only because he's not had a lot of in-game experience. I think as anything you do, whether it's quarterbacking, business, whatever it is, the more you, the more reps you get at it, the better you are at it, the, the easier things get. And for him, the game started slowing down. And when you're not, when that clock isn't going off in your head way too fast, and he's able to step up in the pocket and make throws that he knows he can make. A lot of what I saw on film of him in high school is what I'm seeing now. It's just in a more developed body with a with more understanding of an offense that may it, it looks like the old Miami offenses, but now it's more of the shotgun spread stuff. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of pistol being worked in also. Uh, and that tries to take advantage of different angles in the run game, uh, you know, to work to the advantage of the offensive line. But, yeah, Jaron Williams has taken steps forward this year. And it was understandable that he saw ghosts, especially in the opener, because, like, the UF defensive line was in the backfield instantaneously on every snap. So, you know, it wasn't even that he was seeing ghosts. He was seeing guys there in his <laughs> face a lot of the time. And then, you know, after you get hit a couple times because, you know, hut one, two, you take a drop step and, oh, boy, there's a guy there. You're going to think that because, you know, the offensive line, they were they were turnstiles at the beginning of the year. I mean, I love the development that I've seen, you know, and the progression from terrible to average is a big step because you you bypassed bad you know you went from terrible to bad bad to average on the offensive line in a year that's a really big step forward so now if we can start around average and push to above average or god willing good on the offensive line man that's great but then it made sense because yeah like there's dudes wearing blue from the university of florida all of a sudden in his face so yeah you see some ghosts on that but yeah, Jaron is stuck in there. He's made a bunch of throws. Uh, and I think that he's taken a positive from Nikosi Perry and started to run a little bit more. Yeah, I was going to say that too. You know, he just, I, I think it fits, you know. And he had a couple big conversions uh, against Louisville. You know, a third and six, he ran for nine. A third and four, he ran for six. Uh, early in the second quarter to keep things moving, to keep uh, this, the chains going. And Miami scored touchdowns on both of those drives. So, you know... He is starting to see the Matrix a little bit. You know, he at like he's like Neo at the end of the first movie of The Matrix where he's starting to see the code. You know, it's starting to make sense to him. It's not just what, you know, the it's not a facade anymore. He can see the inner workings of things. Um, and, yeah, you're starting to see, you know, proof positive of that in his performance. And, again, 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 I say the Jaron Williams we have now is healthy. And the more that I see him, I'm absolutely convinced that the Jaron Williams we had early in the year was injured, you know, and that makes a difference. So, you know, whereas he started the year one for 10 on throws over 20 yards um, and had myself and others questioning his ability to throw the long ball, he, you know, got benched, sat out, got healthy, and now he's coming back dropping bombs over Baghdad. Like, yo, I'm with it. But again, I cannot see how good it looks without thinking of how poor it was and how there had to have been something inhibiting his performance because we didn't even see these kinds of throws. Like that last touchdown he threw to break the record to Mike Harley on that post, he didn't make that throw. Yeah, he didn't make I don't that th I don't think he had the physical ability to throw that ball, let alone the swag to say, I see you running between three defenders, but I know that you're faster than them, and I'm just going to put this in the bucket. Bloop. Give me that. 
Like there are not nah. that many guys that can make that throw in the NFL, much less in college. And he he that let it rip, and he put it perfectly Boy. in Mike Harley's hands. I mean, and Manny Diaz said it right. He said some of those throws, I don't think that you could have walked the ball and put it in the spot any more perfectly than Jaron threw it 30 and 40 yards. So, yeah, you know, things are starting to to get better for him. But my question to you, and I know that we talked about this before we started recording, Dan Enos, going back to his presser yesterday, said, you know, when asked about Jaron's performance, because, of course, you're going to ask the quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, about the quarterback's performance when he literally breaks records. Dan Enos said, yeah, there's some things that he can do better. What are you seeing that Jaron might be able to do better? And how? what did you think of Dan Enos's critiques for future improvement? There's two pieces to that. And as any coach will do, no matter if it's Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, or Trevor Lawrence and Tua, it doesn't matter how good you are. We will always tell you, you can do better. And we will criticize the, the smallest of things. It's, it's like a, it's a Jedi mind trick. We don't want you to think you're too good for your own good. So we'll throw that one thing in that you need to improve on. You probably don't need to, but we'll just say it. It's, it's Jedi mind tricks. But in reality, I think Jaron is getting better, especially with that RP, with his RPO game. He loves that RPO slant. Uh, he loves it. I mean, it's, it's, that's like his number one go-to. If you can just, if you pull, when you have... Uh, such a good running running back in DJ Dallas that you have to respect it. And with the offensive line helping out a little more, when that linebacker steps up, he's just dropping it right behind him perfectly. Uh, but he missed a couple on a couple of those RPOs. And for some, for most fans, most fans, they, think, they just see play action a lot of times when you see an RPO. For the fans that don't know, it's just a run run pass option. Uh, the run the offensive line blocks run. The quarterback pulls it. If he pulls it, it's a pass play. Typically, it's a there's a slant. Typically, there may be a nice little over route there. But sometimes there's a backside wheel route. And well, he kind of missed DJ Dallas for maybe an extra touchdown on a backside wheel route that was so wide open. It was oh my it god, was, yeah, I forgot about it that was one. Naked open, okay. And when I say I just wait. I was waiting for it. I was like, Cam's gonna know this one. He knows. I know he yeah. knows where I'm going. Yeah, you remember. And you know, those are the small things. But if that's the the worst of my worries right now, I think I'm okay, uh, especially in a big game. But he needs to see those in the close games because uh, you can You have to be able to see the whole field, and I think that'll come with time. I mean, based off of what we're seeing, he's improving game after game. And if he's seeing what we're what he's seeing now, just wait until you know this offensive line is a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. The receivers are a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. This thing could be really scary. Yeah, and I mean, I hope that there is you know continued improvement. Um, I think that Jaron Williams' accuracy on the throws that he does make is very good. I think that yeah, there have been some things that have been missed, but you're going to have that any time uh, where you're not going to necessarily hit everybody. Um, unless you are a Green Bay Packer quarterback playing against the Lions. And I'm not even thinking about <laughs> Rodgers, I'm thinking about Brett Favre. But if you've never – and, like, the thing when I see – when people talk about, like, knowing where guys are supposed to be and, like, making throws, there was a play at old the old Silverdome in Pontiac 
And this is going to make sense in a second, I promise you guys. So Brett Favre is scrambling for his life. It's the fourth quarter. Miami or the Lions are about to beat the Packers. I think it was a playoff game even for the first time in like forever. And so he's running around looking to his left and Sterling Sharp, Shannon Sharp's brother, who mm-hmm. should be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, of uh, course. I think, no, he is. Sorry. And he's going up the right-hand sideline and throws his hand up. And Brett Favre is looking to the left, stops and throws a dime about 60 yards in the air. Boom, game winner. You know, the Lions end up nutting up and, you know, they go on and win uh, and everything. And that is like the innate sense that anytime people were like, okay, if you hit every, And that was Brett Favre on, like, God mode from a video game. Like, mm-hmm. That was so unfair. Most quarterbacks aren't hitting that throw. Most quarterbacks aren't throwing that throw. You know, I so, can count three quarterbacks that can do that. You just named well, I, one of them. <laughs> exactly. I mean, so if you count three. So even with Jaron playing very well, I think that there's still going to be throws that get missed or not even missed, but like routes that come open that maybe you're not looking at or you see the, uh, you know, you, you look at the two, you know, the crossing route and you say, okay, I'm just going to throw that instead of holding it that extra beat to mm-hmm. wait and see if that post route comes open. Those things will happen. But I'm liking the variety of throws when I'm seeing more. I'm liking the fact that now that he's healthy, and I'm going to continue to say that now that he's healthy because he was not healthy earlier. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in full agreement. with. I did not think he was healthy. And you could tell because he couldn't throw that deep ball. Thank you. But now he's throwing, you know, all these, you know, these routes. Obviously, RPO slant. He loves that even more than Brad Kaya did, which I never thought I would see. A quarterback love the RPO slant more than Brad Kaya. Jaron Williams said, hold my beer. Um, that square ends on dagger concepts are like his bread and butter also. And now he's dropping bombs, like I said. So, yeah, there's been a lot of, of development. And, you know, hey, he's running too. So I don't know if we've seen him pull it on an RPO and run. He's usually pulling it on the RPO to pass. But, you know, if you're scrambling for first downs and things, you're adding that to your repertoire as well. So, you know, you're not going to be that sedentary or uh, that stationary target like Manny Diaz called Alex Hornibrook at Florida State. <laughs> you have the ability to move a little bit and use your athleticism to positive gain. So, yeah, you know, I think that Brevin – or Jesus, whoa, wow, sorry. Jaron Williams is stepping up and he's developing in a proper way. And I'm excited to see what will happen next year because, I mean, absent a, a catastrophic injury or just a, a freak accident – He's going to be QB1 coming into, you know, his redshirt sophomore year in 2020. So, uh, yeah, the sky's the limit. You know, the one thing when you mentioned about Jaron running is um, the one thing I when I look at running quarterback, and there's so many different varieties. There's When you say dual-threat quarterback, that's like throwing pain in a wall, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, there's your Michael Vick, Lamar Jackson type. Those guys, you can't make – you can't coach those guys. Those guys have an innate ability kind of like – like uh, Mahomes or uh, Brett Favre or whoever you want to look at, they have this ability that they just, when they take off, you can't do anything about it. It's just forget it. Uh, you Then you have your Johnny Manziel types. Those are your improvisers. You know, he's he's not looking to scramble away from you. He's looking to extend the play, find some 6'5 guy and throw it up to him. Shout out to Mike Evans. Still one of my favorite college receivers. Um one of my favorite plays also go back. Oh and, yeah. 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 Sorry, Alabama. Um, but, I'm then, <laughs> but, uh, then you have your guys like a Jaron Williams, who's he's more of a pocket passer. 
He you don't he doesn't want to scramble, but he'll extend the play or do what he has to do. And he's sneaky athletic, despite him not looking like he's just this great athlete. And he can go get your seven. Hey, coach, coach needs seven. I'll go get eight. He's that guy. He's not going to truck you. He's not Tebow or anything, but he'll be able to do what he needs to do. And one thing I love about his game versus a guy that is more like a Michael Vick or RG three type he Jaron knows how to get down and he whether now sometimes those head first dives are just they scare me they scare me they scare me but you know get with one of the baseball guys and learn to slide please uh though if that's he slid against louisville he slid about yeah, like six yards because yeah, it was yeah, already raining yeah <laughs> yeah he did he did but uh you know those that's the one thing i i hate when I see a run, a guy take off is if he goes head first. But if you just have to, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Uh, but Jaron's that guy that he's able to do all of those things and he's not going to do it. He's not overdoing it. If he's taking off, he's taking off out of necessity, you know, outside of uh, extending a play, which he, he hasn't done a ton of the whole extend the play thing. That was more of the Florida game. He hasn't done that much outside of outside of that. So we'll see what he does going forward. But I think he understands now. He actually said that in an, in a in a press conference a couple weeks ago that that was when the light clicked on against um, against Pitt, where coaches were telling him take off if you have to. You don't have to be. I think he was trying. You know, and I'm gonna. Can we go there? Can we go there here? Go there. Okay, l- let's go. Okay, so. The, the 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 for correct terms the African American quarterback has to has this stigma that he has to use his legs not his arm he has to be this great athlete and sometimes to be accepted he has to sit in this pocket and just stand there no do what you got to do take off no don't be Michael Vick uh, and just try to be because some, you're not yeah because you're not. And that's okay. That's okay. But you have, I mean, use the rules to your advantage. I mean, they can't touch you anyway. Even when you take off, they don't want you to be touched. So take advantage of that. But, you know, if you got to go get that seven yards, go get that seven yards. But remember, at the end of the day, the next play, you don't have to go get that seven yards because your offensive line is going to block for you. And even if they don't, somebody, some ref is going to be cool with you not getting, if some ref is going to be cool with you getting hit, uh, not getting hit too hard. So. Yeah, I think the yeah. evolution of Jaron Williams is going quite nicely. No, I think it is as well. Uh, let me let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Just and I know that we're about to wrap up. So the last thing that I want to know: what value, if any, does Tate Martell bring to the quarterback position at the University of Miami? <sighs> That's a tough one. How did I know you were going to ask me that? Because you know me. (laughs) We've been on the microphone long enough that you you felt where I was going with it. Yeah. Okay. So, Wildcat quarterback, maybe. Coach on the field, maybe. I mean, a wrinkle somehow, some way. I I really wanted him to be Julian Edelman or something like that. Be turned into something else. I don't think he's good enough to do it, though. I don't see any value, really. Go play somewhere where you can get on the field. Go to Oregon or something and be somebody. I don't, I don't necessarily think he would get on the field at Oregon. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I just – look, I I applaud the effort by the coaching staff to go get him because, obviously, we had a quarterback question. Mm-hmm. And the way that you answer questions 
uh, is by throwing numbers at it, especially in terms of recruiting and roster management. So you have more options to find the guy than you find the guy. Um, but I, yeah, I think that we've seen that, you know, Tate Martell not maybe is not where, where, where the quarterback position is going here. You know, if Miami did bring in an offensive coordinator to run the spread, like a spread spread, um, and let him freelance a little bit, then that would have been money. But obviously, Manny Diaz has talked about the offense that he wants, and we're seeing that offense, and he brought in Danny Nose to run that version of an offense, and that does not in any way fit Tate Martell's skill set. So, um, so yeah, you know, I, I but I wanted to see where your brain was with it, especially in light of the news that, you know, Tate Martell asked to return to quarterback exclusively uh, now. So when uh, Manny Diaz was asked about it, saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, maybe him at, at Wildcat or at wide receiver. He said, no, Tate asked us to go to receiver earlier, and now he asked back to be at quarterback because he's a quarterback and wants to be a quarterback. But um, I understand, you know, that you want that and everything, but especially with, you know, two guys who have superior talent for this mm -hmm. system, I just don't see any reps for him. So I don't I mean, either. I know that he has, you know, his IG model girlfriend who's, you know, an undergrad at UM or a grad student about to graduate or whatever. Uh, and it is, you know, sunshine and rainbows as opposed to, you know, dark, dreary and overcast like it always is in Columbus, Ohio. But, um, yeah, I just I don't know when and where you would find playing time because, you know, and Danny No said it. He said, look, we had a package for Tate Martell. We just didn't get to it against Louisville. Well, duh, when you had Jaron Williams breaking records, school records and tying an ACC record, like why would you get to that package when the original, you know, you know the, the basis of what you're doing is working so well? Like, what? So, yeah, that was just what I, I was just wondering where your head was. This you, you know, and, and last thing on him, I, I hate saying it, but he's one of those recruiting tales of don't let the stars get – get you too uh, excited about a player. I mean, he was, he had an undefeated record in high school and 43 and oh, 43 and oh, great. That's great. But even when you in high school, it's like you're at one of the most dominant schools in the country, Bishop Gorman. Uh, and the thing is it, high school is one thing, but when you, the quarterback position, to be very honest, there's not a lot of five eleven guys, five ten, and he's not five eleven. I'm sorry. I've seen him. He is not five eleven. Uh, oh really? Yeah, you know, he. I saw him at the spring game. He is not five eleven. He is okay. really small. Um, guys like the quarterback position. There's room for the small guys, the Kyler Murrays of the world, the Russell Wilsons of the world. But what's the one thing that all of those guys, even Drew Brees, what do those guys have in common? They're pocket passers who happen to have athleticism. Even Drew Brees can take off a little bit. I, I didn't think he, he did it in the twilight of his career, but he's done it. I mean, but for those guys, they're really good athletes that just happen to be really good quarterbacks. And Tate Martell's just a really good athlete trying to play quarterback. I, I, if I was him, I would transfer. If I want to play, I transfer somewhere that uses my skill set. And that may be a lower tier division one school might even be a, an FCS school. Put your, put, they're going to change. If you have aspirations of playing in the NFL, they're going to change your position anyway. So oh, yeah. you, 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 it makes sense. Stay at receiver. 
if you have the athleticism and the patience. But that's something we can kind of debate a little later down the road. Maybe if he decides to transfer, I've, I, you know how I feel about. It. I think he should transfer. Said it before. Say it again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, make sure. What do you guys think? Let us know what you think on Twitter. Uh, uh, you can hit us up on lo- at Locked On Canes on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Should Tate Martell stay? Should he go? Is he a quarterback? Is he a receiver? Is he a bum? What do you think? Uh, you can hit us up. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Fred Purdue CFB. You can hit Cam up on Twitter at Underwood Sports. Go scream at him and, and let him know how you feel. Uh, I, don't, I don't want the smoke. I don't want the smoke. <laughs> but Look, I have always been about that smoke on social media especially (laughs) and in real life i mean like we can talk about it in person that's fine uh and i'm not threatening anybody but i'm saying like we can have a loud argument in person face to face Uh, but yeah if you want to send that smoke at underwood sports holla at my mentions holla at my dms people do it all the time trust and believe so uh yeah just take a number on that but yeah just let let me know i'm not there Definitely. So we have some things to kind of talk about going forward in the week, and we'll kind of just to kind of put it out there. What we have an upcoming game at the old uh, at the old at the site of the old uh, at the of the old OB. Say that ten times really fast. Um, but let us know what you think. Uh, what were some of your memories that uh, from the old Orange Bowl going into this game? You can do that again with the hashtag uh, Locked On Canes uh, as well. So. For Cam, this is Fred. We will be back tomorrow. Uh, might have a special guest. Don't hold me to it, but I might have one. Uh, but until until tomorrow, folks, go Canes.